This is a Cherish podcast, and I'm your host, Michael Boudreau. I'll be taking you for an inside look behind the glamorous facade of the interior design industry. At a time when every aspect of the business, from sourcing to trends to marketing to dealing with clients, is undergoing rapid change. Design is a visual medium, and imagery has always been crucial. But now that social media rules, powerful, enticing photographs of your work are more important than ever. Showcasing your work on Instagram or Facebook, being able to fill your website with compelling images, can make all the difference. So how do you create those images? Whether you're working with a professional photographer or attempting to do it yourself, what are the principles you need to keep in mind and the pitfalls to avoid? I'm pleased to have with me today two top photo stylists who are here to share their wisdom, experience, and ideas about how to think about transforming your three-dimensional rooms into strong and beautiful images. Both are former favorite colleagues of mine, and both are at the top of their field, working regularly with some of the world's best photographers for top-tier designers and publications. First up is Mika Ten Hav, who has worked at El Decor and Vogue, writes on design trends for the Wall Street Journal, and now style shoots for a number of magazines and is a regular contributor to Architectural Digest. Welcome, Mika. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Michael. We're so glad you're here. We also have with us a man who has had a long and legendary career. After his stints at Tiffany, Architectural Digest, and El Decor, Robert Ruffino is now the style director at House Beautiful. Welcome, Robert. Hey, Michael. Thanks for having me here today. Hey, Mika. So happy that Hi, we're doing Robert. this. I know. I'm so happy to see your face. Hey, hey. Even virtually. <laughs> exactly. So I want to start with, like, the, at the most basic level, because I think there are some people who really don't understand what a stylist does. I think people understand what a magazine editor does or a market mm-hmm. editor, but I'm not sure that people really understand what a stylist does on a shoot. So I'd love to get your takes on what you do. Like, let's start with you, Mika, ladies first. Mm-hmm. How do you see your role? So I see my role. So there are two things, right? There's photography for magazines. There's editorial photography. And then there's photography for somebody's portfolio. And I think what I specialize in and what I do is really about capturing the tenor and the mood of a space as opposed to capturing every last detail. It's not really about having like a perfect facsimile of the place. It's really about sort of teasing and sussing the spirit of the place out. Because if you've ever done a photo shoot, you realize that what you see through the lens, what you see on a computer screen is often very different from what you see in reality. So at the end of the day, I think my role is really about translating that mood into something that takes you to that place. And I would add to that the other element I think that's important to what I do is bringing a sense of life to a space And a lot of times a decorator will decorate a space perfectly to the nines. Everything is matching. Everything looks thought out down to the last very detail. But if you don't have this sense that somebody lives there, it's not such a compelling space to look at. And so that's another big element of what I do is try and bring a human hand into it and a a perspective and a point of view as though somebody has, you know, just left the room or is just about to enter the room. Right. 
which is a tradition in terms of, I know painters of the 19th century who recorded rooms did much the same. Walter Gay was a painter mm-hmm. of that period and whatever. So it's sense that there are people there. And, and Robert, I know you and I have talked about this too, mm-hmm. that your role is not to document a space per se. So why don't you talk a little about that? What's the difference between documenting of space, which is like every corner of the room or whatever, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. actually capturing the spirit, as Mika was saying? I agree with Mika completely, but I, I'm going to use three words. We bring in soul to a project, magic, and we tell a story. And mm-hmm. there is pizzazz, because I think when a designer, like Mika says, finishes a project, it's perfectly perfect. No one lives there. Who lives there? There's no life. So we bring a little bit of fantasy or we push the picture. Mm -hmm. We push the project looking at what I tell a lot of designers that I look at their portfolios now because I'm doing this one-on-one every Friday talking to young designers or established designers, what's wrong with my pictures? I say, the the flowers are too perfect. The chair, there's nothing magic. Mm -hmm. There's no energy. It's boring. You're using the wrong photographers. And I go back and keep saying, and I'll say it loud and clear, every project needs a good photographer And it has to be partnered with a good stylist. And that team brings that project to another level. And it's capturing great moments, even if you're photographing the whole room. Mm -hmm. But sometimes the picture is that section of that room that says something. And talking about flowers... I always use Mika as an example because when Mika started out and she was working for us, she had a different expression with flowers. But like everyone now looks, is inspired by what Mika is doing. The sense of bringing flowers in and just putting in there, like you came in from a garden, that there was the whole trend of all the flowers were the same. I think shoots are loosening up more. They're more relaxed. They have a feeling that, wow, someone is there. Mm-hmm. It tells a story. And that's what's most important. Yeah, we may photograph something for a designer for their portfolio or their website to show clients. But from an editorial point of view, it's most important to tell a story, to give that project soul. Right. So I want to ask you, Robert, most of your projects are for magazines, for editorial. And what we were yes. talking about telling a story, which I, I do think that you can get a, a sense of a story even from a single photograph, which is mm-hmm. often the case mm-hmm. with how designers show their work now mm-hmm. on Instagram, social media, Pinterest, that kind of thing. So I, I want to ask you, Mika, what's the difference between working directly with the designer for their purposes, as opposed to working for a publication? Well, I think that's a really good question. I mean, I think, you know, if I'm shooting for a magazine, I'm going into it with my own point of view. I know what the magazine likes. I know what I'm trying to get out of it. And I think when you shoot for a designer, again, they often run into this issue of, well, you know what? I want to get the crown molding in and I want to get the Mm -hmm. rug in. And a lot of times those don't yield the best pictures. And I want to also go back to something that Robert said a moment ago. For me, like most of the time, my favorite image of a shoot 
is a moment. It's a Mm -hmm. quiet moment Mm -hmm. that tells a better story than the whole expanse of the bedroom. Bedrooms in particular, I find are really tricky that way. Mm -hmm. But I think for designers, it's good to have very upfront conversations about what it is that they're trying to get out of a photo shoot. And namely, what if they're hiring a top tier photographer, if they're hiring a stylist, they should aim for pictures that are emotive and moody and full of life and tell a story. They shouldn't be looking to capture every last sort of architectural element that they conceived. It shouldn't be such a kind of accurate reflection of everything that's in the space. And that's something that you really have to talk about in advance because I think sometimes you can have these these conversations or these misunderstandings about what you're trying to get out of a project. And I I think if you really want to publish a project, if you really want to get it out there into the world and have people really respond to it, you want to get to the the center of what it is the project is about, as opposed to every last detail that the designer worked on in the project. Well, it's almost... It almost seems as if the designer is concerned with documenting as opposed to capturing. You know, they could go in with a photographer and document every one. If they want that for their portfolio, for their website to show potential clients. But I think if you do that, you're not going to entice future clients, which is a lot of what social media is about. It's about, exactly right. 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 And and so many people are self-publishing images now anyway. I mean, this is the way of the world. It's truth be told, I mean, think about how many designers out there and think about how many slots in magazines there are per annum. They're not that many. Right. So, you right. know, it's it's really incumbent upon the designers and the architects to take that narrative into their own hands. Right. You know, if they're not going to get published by a magazine, they have to do it themselves. And there's so many platforms in which to do it now. Right. So I think right. it's, you know, more important than ever in a way. Right. And Robert, I wanted to ask you, like, when you're photographing for a magazine, which you've done for so many different magazines, <laughs> do you prefer the designer to be there or not? Because I would imagine that sometimes designers are like parents. The room is their child. They want their child, mm-hmm. you know, every aspect of their child. And I think a stylist is there to, you know, minimize the negative, accentuate the positive, make it look as good as possible. So is that sometimes a bit of a conflict when designers, when they see you doing things and they fr- freak out or you move the furniture? How often does that happen and how do you deal with it? Well, first of all, I prefer the designer that they're not there, but most of them like to be there. But what what I do when I go into a shoot, if I know the designer, it's a little bit different. But when it's a young designer and like they're very proud of their project and I will say to them, I said, hey, I'm here to take this to the next level. So you have to trust me. We're going to move some things around. We're going to do things a little bit differently. And I said, you can join in, but basically you have done your job. And now this is for the magazine. So I'm looking at this project through a complete different point of view, and you have to trust me. Mm -hmm. And I must say through my entire career, I really have not had any problem. You know, it's like they get it. Okay, you're the professional. And I'm very lucky that, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. People respect me. People trust me. And at the end of the day, I want good pictures for them, for the magazine. And I want them to be proud of it. And sometimes they go, oh, I don't understand that. Or it's like, and I, and I will say, you have to trust me. This is what I have to do. 
every now and then I'll play a little game and I say, oh, yeah, take take it that way. We just lost the pitcher. You know, I know what I need, you know. Right, exactly. And you understand the needs of the magazine. Right, right. So do you have any advice to designers in terms of ways they should look at their rooms or think about their rooms even before a stylist comes in that would maybe help them to understand what you do? I think it's a very valid point to bring up to a designer to go around their house and with their iPhone. I mean, the thing is that iPhone takes such amazing photos now mm. that it is true. Like once you start framing different options up, you can see, okay, that's not so compelling. I understand it in real life, but it's not that compelling. But again, I don't really do that on the front end because I can tell right off the bat when I walk into a space, what needs to be done, what the important angles are, um, what the point of view is. But that being said, you know, for me, it's much more about telling them in advance, okay, we, you need to make sure that you have enough mm-hmm. accessories on hand. You have to have enough books. You wouldn't believe how many projects I walk into where there are no books, or it's just like the latest assortment from Asuline or something, you know, that clearly the decorator brought in just to mm-hmm. fill in the space. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to bring accessories, you have to bring vessels, you have to bring textiles. There are so many elements on the front end that that seems some, somewhat insignificant or small, but in the end, they make such a tremendous difference. Right. So I don't really tell designers, you know, let's frame up the shots you want to do. I, I like asking for scoutings just so I can wrap my brain around the color story and, and I can think about it in advance. But other than that, it's really about making sure that enough legwork is done on the front end so that there's enough material to work with to tell a story when you're on the shoot. Right. That to me is really the most, the biggest tip I can I can tell to designers. That's a very good one. Now, Robert, you remember the grand old days of Shelter Magazines when they used to bring in like mm-hmm. truckloads of pillows sure. and vases and all that. Now, everybody in the media, whatever way, shape or form they take is on a much reduced budget. So how do you deal with that similar thing today? I mean, Mika can work with the designer and make sure, do you do, you do that as well? Because I know you're not bringing truckloads of throw pillows and vases and, and stuff. No, I, 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 yeah, I think bringing a truckload of things is total, it's a total lie. Mm-hmm. So what I just say to the designer is make sure the, the beds are all made. What linens are there? If they're not good linens or good throws or bedspreads, then I will, I will provide that which I hate doing, but, you know, make sure all the beds are made. And occasionally, you know, I do bring in linens. I do bring in throws because I know what I want on that bed. Mm -hmm. As far as accessories and pillows and this and that, it's up to them. You know, they'll say, can you get this? Can you get that? So most of them do listen. And and, uh, one thing I will say loud and clear, make sure the house or the apartment is clean mm-hmm. and is yes. ready to go. Yes, we've discussed this a few times. Yes, yes, yeah. uh, yes. I've been into some, you know, shoots. You open the door, oh, my God, company's here. Hello. But, you know, you roll up your sleeves and you do it, which is not fun. But sometimes that's what we have to do because we can't get in the car and turn back. Yeah. But I was just so, going to ask Mika's had, had a similar situation. Well, so I think what an, another distinction between, you know, if you have an assignment for a magazine versus an, you've been hired by a private client is that if it's an assignment for a magazine, generally the legwork is already done. All mm-hmm. the pieces are in place. It means that it's already a project that is compelling enough to be photographed by the magazine. 
so that's kind of another distinction between the two. And it's like, you know, whenever I shoot for a magazine, it's very rare that I walk in and I think, oh, there's not enough stuff here to work with. Right. So that, again, is just something that really needs to be kept in mind. Right. Because I think the pressure is on for the designer. If they know that, you know, Architectural Digest or El Decor or House Beautiful is coming in to shoot the home of their client mm-hmm. or their own home, they're going to be at their best. You know, it's like mm-hmm. getting Absolutely. your portrait done by Avedon or Penn. But I think a lot of designers, when they're working on projects for their own purposes, maybe don't think it through as much. Do you know what I'm saying? And that's why scouting photos before you do a project like that are so important because you really have to tell this, you have to understand what's there, what isn't there, what needs to be filled in to make this successful. Right, right. But I also, I also think, you know, when I choose a project, some designers will call me and we'll go through the pictures and they'll say, I need your input on this. I need your help. I need your advice. I didn't get this, which I'll go out and get this. Tell me what you want, what kind of accessories, or I need to get a few more things. So a lot of designers are very open because I do believe that someone like Mika and myself, who've been doing this for quite some time, once a project is accepted, they do look up to the magazine. You know, they do look up to the editor that is going there and they do trust us. You know, right. they, mm-hmm. Well, it's like, a great coup for them. It's a great yeah. achievement for mm-hmm. to get so a project in. It's right. like, wow, okay. Oh, when I say, okay, we're going to do this, are you going to be the one doing it? Because sometimes in different magazines that I work for, they're different editors or stylists. Like, no, it's me. And, you know, that's a comfort zone to a lot of decorators, you know, oh, great, it's you, I don't have to worry, or or here's the keys and I'll be back if you need anything, that's fine. But I think more and more, especially today, when a project is accepted for a magazine, designers have a better understanding what our mission is mm-hmm. and what, what like at, at AD, they definitely have a different point of view than they do at House Beautiful. It's two different levels. It's two different scales. They're both important, you know, even at El Decor. We all see things. We all wear different hats. You know, if I was working at AD, of course, I would do things differently than I do at House Beautiful. At House Beautiful, yes, since I've been there, I have tried. I have Well, not that I have tried. I have pushed the envelope. A great deal, yes. and and in, in in two years we've turned the magazine around, and it has a different point of view, and that's the challenge. No matter where we work and what we do, yes, we work for that publication, but that publication has hired us for our vision and right. what we do and our taste level. Right. That's very important. I also think that just to jump in there, I, you know, I've noticed a parallel where the more seasoned the designer is, the more liberty you have with the project, the more comfortable mm-hmm. they are with handing the keys off and walking out of the room. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, it's like a, it's a trust thing. It's like, you know, that they've, they've done this before and they understand, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. if you're handing it over to the stylist and a, a good photographer, let them do their job. Right. 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 But I wanted to ask you both in terms of photographers, I know at magazines, the editor will work with with you guys and the art director to who is the right photographer for this particular project. But how does a designer who's like doing this for themselves, for their social media, for their website, for their portfolio, are there advice that you would give them in terms of choosing a photographer? Not obviously not every designer can afford to hire, you know, Bill Waldron or Douglas Friedman or 
Trevor Trondro, whoever it might be. So how do you think they should think about finding a photographer, working with a photographer? Well, I mean, I just think it's really about looking like, I mean, if you are fortunate enough to hire a top brass photographer, they each have a a different signature. You know, they have, they bring a different mood. They bring a different quality of light. They, there are nuances that really distinguish their work. And so if you are a consumer of shelter publications and you're, you know, looking at Instagram and all these other platforms, if you're paying attention, you can see what sort of distinguishes the contours of their work. And so that's what I think is most important with finding a, a photographer that best suits either the mood of your project or the, or the mood that you're trying to convey, that you're hoping to convey. And I think if you can afford, if you have the budget, it's worth every penny because A, you have it for your website. You have it for if you ever want to do a book and it's worth the investment. But I will go back to, and I keep going back to, and I said it in Business of Home, designers are designers. They're not stylists. We bring in another layer, and that Mm -hmm. is important. And choosing the right photographer, you know, I know when I'm doing something, it's like, oh, wow, I want this to be moody. So, you know, my head goes to Stephen Kent Johnson, Mm -hmm. or maybe Bjorn, or this project may be good for Douglas Freeman or Bill Bronowitz. You know, each photographer brings in a different point of view or a different mood to a shoot. And that is really pairing the right photographer with the right project. Whether I'm doing the shoot or not, then I will hire someone that's going to be the right match. And the bottom line is I want great pictures. I want to tell a story. Yeah. That's that's more I th- I do feel that in this period we're going through, more and more people are looking at magazines. They want to see more magic and they want to fantasize a little bit or they want to be inspired. They want they want to they want to say, wow, you know, we're spending more time at home let me do this or let me do that. Why didn't I think of that? But, you know, I think the magic of magazines is becoming more and more important. And you also, Robert, mentioned books. And I know, Amika, you, more and more designers are doing books because there are fewer, I think, media print outlets Mm -hmm. than there used to be. So Mm -hmm. more and more designers are doing books that quite a cost, generally. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Mika, like I know you just worked with Matthew Patrick Smythe on his book that's mm-hmm. coming out this mm-hmm. fall. What was that like? I mean, it's wonderful. You know, if you have a good rapport with the designer, you know, I've worked on, and I am currently working on a, books for several clients. And I really enjoy that kind of a work because you get sort of into the head of the designer and you can mm-hmm. kind of see the through line in their work and their projects and you're able to kind of expound on that and accentuate it and contrast it. And I think it just, you know, if there's something more fulfilling about working on kind of a longer lead project like that, because you can bring more to the table and you can tell a greater story because you work on so many different projects. And because a lot of times those projects span different styles, different locations, I find it really gratifying. And I think it's really gratifying for designers to work on books because they figure out the language in which they can t- 
talk about themselves. They can talk about the work that they do and the perspective from which they come. I think it's a really helpful exercise. Obviously, I know it helps them get clients, but I think it also helps them think about their own work and their own imagery that they're producing. I mean, that that's the other thing about hiring a good photographer is that these images, they last forever. They right. don't go away. Right. And, and I think that's why the investment is really worth it. Right. And I think that photographs of rooms can be as beautiful as fashion photographs, but they're also mm-hmm. don't lose their potency. I mean, fashion, totally. you can't buy that dress anymore. It goes out of fashion. Totally. The headline's too long, mm-hmm. too short. But rooms, beautiful rooms, I think, stand that test of time. Absolutely. Right. So, which is another reason there's these books that are compilations of periods. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, it's, it's Mika, why we, and Robert too, we look at old issues of World of Interiors or old well, issues of I mean, AD. I was just going to say, you know, the thing that, I honestly think the thing that got me in, to, into interiors was my, my mom was into them. My grandmother was into them, but it was this book. It was this Min Hog book, world of interiors, I think mm-hmm. from like 1986 mm-hmm. or 1987. Mm-hmm. And I just would pour over that book as a child. And I just got into all of the moods and all the vernaculars that that book represented. And I think there is such a truth to that. Like if it's beautifully designed and beautifully shot, it doesn't matter what year the interior was designed in. It just lasts. Thanks for tuning in to the Cherish podcast. I'm Marissa Marcantonio, Cherish's Director of Trade Relations, and we're taking a quick break so I can tell you about a not-to-miss event happening on August 20th. Will you be working from home this fall? Well, you're not alone. With at-home workspaces becoming more important than ever, Cherish is hosting a much-needed home office showcase sale. On August 20th, design lovers will be able to virtually see and shop all that's new for home workspaces from leading brands and top vintage dealers. This includes the best of desks, seating, lighting, wallpaper, art, and more from top brands and leading manufacturers like Visual Comfort, Stark Studio Rugs, and Graphic Image. Visit Cherish.com. That's C-H-A-I-R-I-S-H dot com for more information. And I hope you join us on August 20th. And now back to our show. Now, I don't want to try and take what you rightly, Robert, call magic and reveal what's behind the curtains. But I would love to get a little bit of specific advice for our audience about how they, especially if they don't, you know, young designers starting out, often they have to do the photography themselves, often with their mm-hmm. iPhone. Mm-hmm. How should they think about approaching their rooms? Because I know we've talked about this, Robert, and as we make a, you know, sometimes you get up on a stool, sometimes you pull back, sometimes you want to close in. How should they be thinking about approaching the rooms that they've designed? Well, there's two ways. I think, you know, you look at the room, you photograph the room, okay? You photograph the whole room. And then I think you go around and then you capture great moments. Even sometimes when when I photograph a whole room, we may not do the whole room in the magazine. We may do one section of the living room that really tells the story or captures the moment. Sometimes I think in a magazine, I'm going back, sorry, but sometimes in a magazine, if if a story is 10 pages, that's great. Okay, but sometimes 
if a story is six pages and captures enough and says something, you almost want more, let them suffer, you know, like it's Mm -hmm. a tease and it says something. So for someone just starting out, it's like, look at the room and look what's most important. Look at a moment in the room that tells what that room is really about. It's like an introduction. You are welcome in, come into my world. And, you know, you could do a little bit of the room and then in another picture, a little bit more. Because uh, sometimes if you photograph, if they photograph the whole room, it doesn't hold together. Sometimes moments, mm-hmm. especially on their Instagram, do, doing beautiful still lifes captures so much more sometimes for these young designers. And, you know, just going back, I am, you know, talking to young designers once a week now. And it's like, okay, you know, and I have to be very honest with them. It's like, you're, you're calling me, you're doing the Zoom. The lamps are the wrong proportion. You should have never put food at the foot of the bed in a champagne glass or the (laughs) side tables are over accessorized. You can't not throw a throw on a bed that's not pressed. Was the dog just on it? Just think. People are looking at your Instagram. People are judging you. You know, there's a lot of competition out there. I mean, that's what I believe in and that's what I say you know it's like yeah I I will help you but you have to listen right and I think part of the problem is for these designers the room is everything the house is everything Mm -hmm. but in our world close to it they're too close to it the image is equally as important as the room yeah I mean just getting back to that I know I said it earlier but like half the times I think the most evocative and the best pictures are really just like a slice of a room right. you know, that tells right. you about what's on the walls that tells you about, you know, mm-hmm. a beautiful object or a lamp. And it's like the, the, the kind of language that those lines form around each other can be so incredibly powerful. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, just going back to what you said before, Mika, about working with designers who have books. Okay. There's, a few years ago, a designer I know did a book. He didn't use a stylist. And he gave me the book as a gift. <laughs> and he said, what do you think? It's like, I said, oh, this is great. But like, you know, the poor thing, it was so constipated. Yeah, and exactly. And okay. like you did every, the flowers, the still lives. It was just so, it was Formulaic. dated. Formulaic. It was, Formulaic. It, was, it, it was dated. Dated already. already yeah. You know? Yeah, and it's it's a shame because these people pay so much money yeah. to go, you know, do all that do photography this. and stuff, and have, totally. you know, yeah, and you know, they work with a photographer, but you know they're paying the photographer. It's not editorial. This is my work. This is how I want it photographed. <sighs> mistake, mistake, mistake. Right, but anyway. But speaking of dated, I would love to ask you guys, sort of in a joke, joking kind of way. What are some of the mistakes that you've made and some of the cliches that we've all fallen into? Because I remember when I was in the 80s reading all the shelter magazines, it seemed as if every kitchen, if not every room, had a bowl of Granny Smith apples. Mm-hmm. Apple green thing. <laughs> then for a while, every bedroom had a pair of ladies' satin slippers mm-hmm. and a cashmere mm-hmm. throw on the bed mm-hmm. and elder decor i know for a while it was huge branches i mean mm-hmm. so what what are some of the cliches that 
that you guys have fallen prey to and that we should be looking out, that the designers now should be watching out for because, you know, photos can get dated. I think it's just like, don't repeat the same thing over and over and over again. Like even like I have things that I totally gravitate towards and that I'd love to put in every project, but then, you know, I have to step back and say, Oh my God, I can't do that. You know, I'm not even going to say what it is because I don't want to say what it is. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead. Like, I'm sorry, but an artichoke in the kitchen is so gorgeous. I love artichokes. And I'm like, oh, God, green apples gotta, of today. <laughs> gotta come up with another chic vegetable, you know. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I just love them, and so anyway. But but I do think that is something that, like, as a stylist, you have to pay attention to that you're not gilding the lily with like you know one right. accessory that you have a serious admiration yeah. for, like a gorgeous artichoke. Right. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I I've never done this, but you know, a pair of high heels or shoes just thrown—it's like, oh no! I know, no. I, I know. I so, <laughs> so many pairs like, of shoes we've seen. No, no, no. And so, if you put a pair of stilettos somewhere, it's like, I don't know, it's, mm. what is that really doing? What is that telling us? Is that real? You know, it's and it draws your eye to something that's really the accessories that you use and that you want to like complement a room with. I think should feel more like afterthoughts as opposed to like obvious right. things that you're, you know, that right. where you're right. 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 You know, being right. obtuse and trying to tell right. a story about who the person is that lives there. Right. right. But I also think going back like 10 years ago, if I look at my work or five years ago, Oh my God. What I know. This? Even I, I'm the same way. Like sometimes I'll look at a picture and I'm like, Oh, I would have done that differently. Yeah. But the, the but the point is, the times have changed. Yeah. How we live, how we think. Totally. Uh, and and we, we're part of that. Totally. Yeah. You're v- huge influencers in that sense. You know? I mean, it's it's like fashion, okay? When you go back, like this morning, believe it or not, I was looking at some old-fashioned magazines. and Because I'm still inspired by fashion. It, 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 it hits a point in my blood that inspires me for interiors. It's like how we dress ourselves is how we dress our homes. but. Mm-hmm. Oh my God! Who would wear that? Oh, but that's that was what that was then. then yeah. But but going back to what Michael said, some rooms are forever. You know, some rooms are memorable. Some rooms, like when I look at Mrs. Agnelli and was looking at her book last week, I'm breathless because it's it's her point of view of life. And she wasn't a decorator, but she was a decorator because it was easy. It was effortless. Mm -hmm. It was with grace. It was like, I'm so rich. Look at this. And I am so sick of, I'm so rich. Look Look at at this. this. You could have the most beautiful things, but have a life. It's lived in. Oh my God. I mean, some of the fanciest projects (laughs) are the most boring projects. It's just so predictable. And so, you know, it doesn't matter how, amazingly our collection is like it they just the interiors can fall flat so quickly when it's too thought out too perfectly done right you know it's it's i I think there is something true to like you know the most memorable interiors are truly the authentic interiors and Mm -hmm. i think like that is kind of the role of the stylist like if it's not really authentic at least we can try and make it look somewhat authentic right 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 now, here's something else I want to ask you both about, because I know you're both huge fans of this and probably are addicted to China. But I want to talk about entertaining. Like, how do you depict that? Should designers, like if they're doing dining rooms or whatever, you guys love tabletop, yeah. love China, love to set a table. But as you were saying, Robert, times have changed. People live differently. So mm-hmm. how do you 
convey that and show a sense of, you know, this is an entertaining space or whatever, without making it a, a story about a Sunday brunch in Manhattan or whatever. How do you how do you do that in terms of so that that you get this sense of an atmosphere of, of entertaining, but without entertain, entertaining become the whole subject of the shoot? Well, I think each project is different. If the if the homeowner collects China and has a passion for it and it's going to work, I think that's fantastic. I remember doing this little apartment in Paris when I worked with you, Michael, and she had a great collection of crystal in China. And, you know, I went down the block, went to this great florist and bought some big rose plants and we'd set this table and it was a great mixture. It worked there. But, you know, sometimes I just, in some of these houses or apartments, they're very minimal. So it's doing us like we're, we're getting ready to set the table. I mean, mm-hmm. I, you know, mm-hmm. from my days at Tiffany's and everything else, I love setting a table, but you know, if anyone is a great China collector, it's the girl who's, um, we're co-hosting with Mika loves loves China. I mean, I have like you know, it's kind of a debilitating mental condition. Um, no, but but the but the point is, what I'm saying is, it's authentic. When, it, when it's good, it's good, and when they and when someone has it in their collection, yeah. Then I, well, that's we exactly should, right. We the thing is, it. but it has to be authentic. Right. Like right. I only set like a really amazing like formal table. If it's authentic, like actually, right. you know, speaking of France with El Decor, when I shot Marie Dodge's Chateau mm-hmm. in the Loire mm-hmm. Valley, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, she's like the one of the only people that still hand paints on Limoges porcelain. And of course right. we had to do a number of tablescapes with her China. Right. It just begged right. for it. Right. Right. But if I open up a cupboard and I see only like, you know, mm-hmm. CB2 or it doesn't even have to be lowbrow. It could be an amazing Hermes service, but you've seen it a thousand times before. Right. You right. know, that doesn't really tell you anything. That doesn't really right. do anything. Right. Um, and then the, the other thing I would add to that is like, I like setting tables in places that are a bit more unexpected. So like, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. sometimes it's not the grand table setting in the dining room. Sometimes right. it's li- a little sort of alfresco moment mm-hmm. that brings a little bit of life where there wouldn't be otherwise. And And I think a grand dining room can sometimes you know, be a lot more interesting if you put like a tree on the table and, you know, and you just... Right. Right. Or Bring just put some, some or put some, put some great objects. Yes. Or put some great objects on the table and just make it not be about this sort of like fussy, mm-hmm. fussy, mm-hmm. you know, I'm about to sit down to my elegant dinner party for 12 situation. Right. Mm-hmm. And now, Mika, you mentioned alfresco, which is, I think, an increasingly important thing for design, especially in, in this COVID era. We're all longing to be at more outdoors. And I think outdoor living has become so important. And God knows there's incredible furniture and fabrics now that work outdoors and lighting fixtures. So how important do you think that is in capturing and how difficult is it to shoot outdoors to get outdoor rooms? I'd love to hear from both of you about that. I mean, I love if the outdoor room is there, I love to shoot it. I just think mm-hmm. it adds mm-hmm. so much to a project. And so, and so what I always think is interesting is like, adding a bit of civility to the outdoors and adding a bit of wildness to the indoors. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that I'm always trying to like find that tension. I, I like to kind of 
explore those boundaries between indoors and outdoors mm-hmm. and the way the two can come together in both of those spaces. So, you know, I mean, in an outdoor space, like sometimes I'll take a, some elements of indoor furniture and bring it out there mm-hmm. to just kind of civilize it and it gives it contrast and it gives it like a different point of view you know mm-hmm. it's like it's not so interesting if it's like a matching patio set right no matter mm-hmm. how right. chic it is right you know put something else out there bring bring something else that's and unexpected that's what they did in jane austen's days you know totally. the servants would carry out oh all my that God. furniture Heaven. out onto the lawn Heaven. <laughs> <laughs> sign me up for that where where are my servants right and but Robert, when you're doing outdoor spaces, do you like I know garden garden photographers and and my friend Sanga mm-hmm. Mortimer who did great garden shoots for a house mm-hmm. and garden and mm-hmm. magazine mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. Elkipore for for forever. She would always say, to really get a garden, you have to be there at five in the morning and then you have to be there till you know. At the end of the I know at the end of that that is completely true. Yes. And totally. I've done that. I've done that. I've done that leave town five o'clock in the morning to get somewhere for six 30 and glamorous life. Do, do, do. But like, you know, well, that's part of the job. That's part of picture making. That's part of the magic that we do. And people don't understand that it takes forever, you know, but going, going back to table settings. I mean, last year I was in Nantucket and this woman said, Oh, we just put this little shed in and uh, I don't know what I'm going to do with it. And she opened the door to this little shed and she had a few paintings on the ceiling. Oh, I remember that shoe. And I said, uh, what are you doing here? <laughs> oh, I don't, I, I don't know. And she had some boxes and some, fr- I said, and some furniture. I said, do you have a, like a, a chandelier or some fix? She said, what are you looking for? She said, well, I have an attic full of stuff. Well, the next day at five o'clock, I said, you know what? We're going to shoot this as a di- an outdoor dining room. And and I it, loved that picture. It, it, it was, was just magic. It, it was. was. And, and, and it was so weird in like a good way. Yeah. And it, it, that to me is the magic on a shoot because yeah. you don't know what's going to happen. And she would have never thought of that. Totally. And we brought something to the shoot and people were inspired by that. I put that on Instagram a few months ago. I got like over a thousand likes in not even three hours. Like, really? And it, I'm sure that woman is serving dinners in that little shed today. Yeah. I'm sure. You know? I'm, I'm, she's waiting for me to come back and visit. But that's, I mean, that's the magic of a shoot. That's the magic of a stylist. Because we bring something that they don't understand or they can't see. It's through our eyes that we push the envelope. It's like, we're going to do it this way. You have to trust me. Uh, let's move the furniture around or let's do this or let's, you know, I was on a shoot a while ago or shoot we did with Michael. Well, they had no goddamn bed linens. I was like, oh my God. And there was nothing around. And I went through cabinets and I found tablecloths and I made a bedspread and we, (laughs) and you know, and that shoot, not that bedroom, but that shoot, part a, a section of that bedroom, Michael was the cover. And it was, it was a great <laughs> you never shoot. never know. It was a great You house. never know. But I absolutely love challenges like that, yeah. where we have to become miracle workers and our little hands and our eyes and our brains go, okay, it's smoke and mirrors, but it's, it's bringing great ideas to the public to see. 
And that's what we do. We have these great jobs. And I'm, you know, I'm blessed every day that I do what I do. It's not work. It is work, of course. But isn't it a joy it's work. to make someone happy and to say, wow, <laughs> I love it. You know, but that that's the fun of well, it. Well, it's like a puzzle. I always feel like every room you walk into, it's like making all the pieces kind of coalesce in a way that makes right, sense. Right. Or then when, they, or that, then when you were like, I did a bathroom shoot or whatever, I didn't mean to interrupt you. It's like, take this out. And the designer is looking at you. What are you doing? I'm like, trust Just me. trust me. You got too much going on here. We're going to totally. make a gorgeous picture. And I, I only could say all this because I've done it for a long time. And... I still continue to grow and I still continue to learn and my eye keeps traveling and traveling mm-hmm. and wow. And I'm, you know, I'm inspired by other, you know, stylists and other points of view and you have to keep open. Looking, you have, you have to, to be right. looking all the time. Right. Right. And it's really as, about your yeah. eye, look like making your eye be looking at things all the time, different ways of doing things. Yeah. But, but, but I do believe yeah, I could do many different things, and so can Mika. But we we do have our own points of view. Of course, we're you... we're, we're we're two different people, but I believe we're on the same level wavelength. Yeah, and we get it, you right. know. And right. it's important. It's important that we do what we do, and we are lucky to do what we do. And I think people are inspired by what we do. When people come up to me and go, oh, you're Robert Rafino. Who's that? Mm-hmm. I don't know. No, I look like him. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think what you, what you were saying, Robert, is so true. Designers make rooms. They make right. homes. You guys, working with the photographers, make pictures. Yeah. Now, obviously, yeah. they overlap, but the roles are different. Mm-hmm. And now... Many designers have to act as their own stylist. So I think mm-hmm. what you've been telling them about making pictures is going to be incredibly useful. And I'm so grateful that you guys were willing to share your experiences with us and your your wisdom and your tips, because I think it's going to help a lot of designers translate those beautiful rooms into beautiful pictures. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I'm really appreciative. And I want to thank you both for being here. I'm sure now... Our listeners have a sense of how much fun the editorial meetings were with the both of you, and I miss that to this day. <laughs> I miss that too. Um, but um, really, thank you for being here, and thank you, everyone, for listening to the Cherish podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having us, Michael. Thanks for listening to the Cherish podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell a friend or colleague. Or even better, go to the iTunes store and post a review. We appreciate your help in spreading the word. And we would love your ideas for future episodes. Please email us at podcast at cherish.com. The Cherish Podcast is produced by Britta Muller and edited by Max Solomon of Hanger Studios in New York. Until next time.